Pints and Pies podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. Pints and Pies podcast. Pints and Pies. Clap your hands, everybody, for your favorite wrestling podcast. Stomp your feet, everybody, for your favorite wrestling podcast. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Invincible, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, Omni Dan, Danielle Radford. Oh, damn. Uh, that, that, uh, no spoilers, but okay, I guess I'll take it. And Adam Lindsay, Lindsay Kelk. Hello. Hal, was that a sports reference that you introduced the show with? Was that sports? What? 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 What would make you possibly believe that that's sports? I feel like that's sports. Huh. <laughs> it was mine and Danielle's faces of not knowing what it was that made me think it might be sports. Well, I guess it's a song I've heard twice in the last week because it's what's played at the Wells Fargo Center when the 76ers defeat an opponent. We have a lot to talk about. We're post-Max Fun Drive. We're post-break. There's a lot of stuff going on in the wrestling world. There's a lot of news. But none bigger than what happened on Wednesday night during the 76ers dismantling of the Washington Wizards. The final score, 125 to 95. Yeah, that was a big, that's a big-ass whipping right there. Where Joel Hans Embiid, the greatest center in the game, Quiet Nuggets fans, Jokic doesn't play defense, <laughs> has taken to celebrating this season. And and the, the NBA TV commentator acted like he'd never seen it before in his life. Truth is, Embiid's been doing it all season long, where he will complete a basket and get fouled and wind up on the ground and on his back start pumping his hips while also taking his hands and accentuating his groin area. Huh. Very reminiscent. That's a crazy move. Of a certain wrestling maneuver. Oh. And he he confirmed back in, I think, December or January that it's because he's a huge Triple H fan. And that's his, that's his DX movement. So now that it's happened in the playoffs, everybody's losing their minds. People, people don't quite understand, but, but uh, he's explained it now. So people have have added him to the DX Titantron, and he's tweeted about it, saying, if you ain't down with the process, we've got two words for you. And both Shawn Michaels and Triple H have responded. So I can only imagine now a scenario in my head where the Sixers have won the title and Embiid is given a WWE title They get the belt, yeah. Like, they got to yeah, get the belt. They have sure. to get it now. It's the law. That's all I know about sports, is if you win a thing, you get a belt. Especially if you acknowledge WWE in literally any way. They just want to be, <laughs> look, they're mommy's very special boy, and as long as you treat them as mommy's very special boy and you acknowledge them, um, then they're going to give you a shiny trinket for doing yeah. so. The acknowledge That's him right. line did not come from nowhere. That's pulled straight from the playbook. But that's exciting. I'm so pleased for you, Hal. I love it when two it things is. we love come together. But it doesn't stop there because <laughs> you you can't extricate professional wrestling from from mainstream competitive sports. 
Yes, it's different in, in that it is predetermined, but there's an athletic, a major athletic component to it. And so they're often mixed together. And many pro wrestlers are either former athletes themselves or big fans of professional sports. And it's sometimes you don't know who, where different wrestlers' loyalties lie. However, if you were to have watched Game 1 this past Sunday at the Wells Fargo Center, you would have seen Chuck Taylor in his Joel Embiid jersey sitting next to freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, who's from an area of Jersey right outside of the Pennsylvania border. So he's basically like the Reading area, which is Philadelphia fan territory. So the two of them avowed Sixers fans. Then you have Ricochet on programming wearing a Ben Simmons jersey, the greatest defensive player in the league. Jazz fans, shut up. Gobert can't guard the perimeter. So, yeah, jazz fans. Yeah, those nuggies and those jazzes. That's they're the worst. Exactly. Take that. Look, I take this as a sign that in a in what's been a difficult couple of years for me, maybe things are starting to turn around as my worlds slowly collide and come together and go, Al, you love wrestling? You also love your Philadelphia sports teams? We're going to put them together for you in a major way. And I'm, I'm just, that's the best development in pro wrestling in the last, in the last seven days. I, I love nothing this. Else. I, I love I, this I'm just you. playing Philadelphia freedom in my head for you. Cause that's my only <laughs> reference point, but I mean, I love it. It makes me happy and I want this for you. Thank you. I want this for you. And how mm. you have my guarantee Mm-hmm. That unless someone does something, if if y'all if y'all do the thing, I'm not gonna jinx it. If you do the thing, mm-hmm. unless someone does something super crazy, I'm not gonna bring up the other thing. <laughs> because you know what? It's been a hard year, and we all need to get our wins where we can get them. Unless they do it again, <laughs> in which case we will bring it up so many times. If I someone does the have thing to. again, but it, let's hope they don't. I'm pretty sure. That we settled this a while ago, Danielle. We did. A, I had a statement read aloud. <laughs> See, there's no, you can't unring that bell. Ah, you can't unring that, the bell. It's Philadelphia. That, that is not your tool. That is not your tool belt anymore. But I'm sure somebody will do something like like uh, try to punch a statue of Ben Franklin and break their hand. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so happy for you. It's been a hard year, and like watching your delight, like it's at the point now where, uh, of course, we have a group chat. And yeah. we'll just keep putting stuff in the group chat because it makes Halbert so happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you can buy your Thrust the Process t-shirt, by the way. That is a real nice. t-shirt that's out there to buy. Wait, Thrust the Process? Okay. Yeah, because that's him. It's him. He's thrusting his, his hips. Yeah. <sighs> the, uh, the other thing about basketball and the way it relates to wrestling is AEW's programming schedule has been thrown out of whack because there are generally several games... Uh, Wednesday, there were games, so AEW Dynamite was preempted and has moved to tonight. So we have not seen an AEW this week because it doesn't air until tonight at, at what is it, Julian? Midnight? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be 7 o'clock Pacific time, straight away after SmackDown, so 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Too late. It's too late to show that now. I believe, I believe, I believe you got to figure something else out. I don't know. I'm down to have a good reason to have not watched it this week instead of just being like, no, no, I can't. My heart can't take it. Last week I was saying somewhere that had no internet or TV. 
so that was the greatest reason. Uh, mm-hmm. This week it just wasn't on, which was a fabulous reason. Next week I'm going to have to be back to like, I just don't know if I can. Um, and that feels like the least professional reason when you take into account this podcast. So, you know. I just don't have cable, y'all. <laughs> I just, I cut cords because we were told that that's what everyone was doing. And now yeah. all of the, the TV shows are making it hard for me to watch them, except for NXT, my perfect baby child. Thoughtful. Yeah. It's because well, it cares about is... you, Danielle. It's because NXT cares. <laughs> that's why. This is weird timing for AEW to, to have these scheduling issues because we have Double or Nothing happening this Saturday, which is tomorrow as of this recording. And if you're listening to this episode the day it drops, it's happening now. Hurry. Here's the card. I want to go over it and see if there's anything that's that's that you're really looking forward to in here. We have Kenny versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy for the world title. You have Sheeta versus Britt Baker for the women's title. The Young Bucks versus Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the tag titles. Pinnacle versus Inner Circle in a stadium stampede match. And Sting's in-ring return. Is there anything there that you are looking forward to? More than anything else. I would say there are matches on this card that, under any other circumstances, would make me go, oh, these will be good matches. Like, Mm -hmm. Kenny, Pack, Orange Cassidy, how is that not going to be a really... I mean, I say that, but then I remember saying this about Kenny and John Moxley. Like, how will that not be amazing? It's like, well, let me sit down past Lindsay and explain this to you. That should be amazing. Sheeta versus Britt Baker should be amazing. They should all be good, apart from Sting's in-ring return, which shouldn't be in existence, let alone Mm. good. But I'm just really struggling to find enthusiasm to pay money to watch these matches. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I mostly look forward to Sheeta versus Britt Baker. Yeah, on paper, it all seems like it should be good, except for Sting coming back. I just don't... I don't need it. I'm happy for the people that really love it, but I don't give up. Oh, there's a siren going through because uh, it's. Are they on their way to Sting's house to stop? Yeah, <laughs> stop the match! By God, by God! Uh, yeah, I just don't give a shit about Sting. I'm so sorry. I know that that makes me, you know, but I, I just don't care about current day Sting. Um, but Sheeta versus Britt Baker. That sounds like that's exciting. Going to be a good time. Yeah, going to be a good time. That one I am genuinely looking forward to. So Yeah, it's time for Britt Baker's coronation. And more than that, it's time to get that title off of off of Sheeta, who I think is an outstanding, like transcendent wrestler. Yes. But being good at wrestling, it, except in very few cases, doesn't really constitute a personality that that draws people in. Like I, there are a lot of people who may not be as good as her in the ring, but because, and this is not her fault at all, but when when the creative team behind the product doesn't really tell me too much about her or tell me why I should like her other than she's real good in the ring, it's like there are a lot of people who aren't as good but are way more compelling as as characters, and that is, I think, at at a human level what attracts us to the product they're all they're all doing things that we can't physically do there's a an amazing athletic aspect to all of them yeah but the characters mm-hmm. and the personalities and the conflicts that come out of of them being mixed together is what's most compelling 
I mean, you know I love Sheeta. And you know I'm going to be like, no, Hal, that's so mean to Sheeta. Because um, I would watch her do anything and sure. whatever she needs to do. But yeah. I do think, A, it's time. It's just time. Like, it yeah. was time for Eo to drop. And I would watch Eo do anything and do what she did forever and ever and have her be champion in my heart for the rest of her life. But it was time for her to drop. And it's time for Sheeta to drop. But I just think she has been such a victim of the AEW women's booking. Let's... Let's yeah. call it what it is. It's, you know, she's not on TV regularly. She's not building up any feuds of any note because she's not getting any storyline time. And they're not trying to give it to her. They're not attempting to do anything. I feel like they realized they had something with Brit pretty early on. And then it's just been a holding pattern until they can do something with her because obviously she was injured. Mm-hmm. She was out for a long time. Mm. And they just never really bothered to grow anyone else it's like oh they know they have statlander that they can rely on and then she went out injured and then they know they have brit they can rely on and she was out injured they went hard on nyla and then just dropped her and that kind of went yeah. away and then it was like oh now she has mm. vicky guerrero that's going to be a storyline it's like well no not really because she needs to be on tv to get a storyline and then at the heart of that you have this super super talented awesome champion in Sheeta who is right there to be blown up into the world's biggest baby face. She's got the look, she's got the music, she's got the talent, she's got, she's really got that rainbows, unicorns, smile, Bailey energy to me. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. The charisma of her that I find very compelling. Like, I like to watch her. I like to see her. It's like an up. She's like an up part of AEW for me. But they just decided I didn't need to see her regularly enough. To care. I, I just, I, I know we have other stuff to discuss. <laughs> you do not need to speak perfect English. And you can, in fact, cut promos in your native language. And people will still, they will get it. Yeah. Asuka. Yes. Yeah. But will management allow it? Do management trust it? As much as AEW likes That's to say the they're issue. different to someone else who might be making those decisions. Uh mm. Week in and week out, we see the influence of that other company's learnings and teachings echoed through Cody, who, you know, and Tony, who may or may not, whether they like it or not, be the more rightful heir to the throne of Vince McMahon than they want to believe. You know, it's just all there. It's all there. You see it every week. So let's hope that changes and we see something different. There are going to be a lot of good matches. It's AEW. They. AEW delivers in the ring more often than they don't. So, what about in the stadium? Do they deliver in the stadium? Will there be another horsey? This is my only question. That's the only thing I, I need they, a heads up on. They should all have to wrestle wall on horseback if you really want it to be a, <laughs> a, a stadium joust, stampede match. If you will, or have them do it in Pamplona during the running of the bulls. Why not? I would pay so much money to watch Jericho run with the bulls. I would pay so much money. Oh, uh, or at least the tomato fight, right? <laughs> at least. I would like to see Did Orange see- Cassidy in the tomato fight. That would be fun. Did we talk about in our in our text thread the Jericho and The Rock putting each other over on Twitter? Did that come up? I don't I think, think so. I think we did. That was a really nice little moment. Yeah. Is Jericho first saying, like, if you don't think The Rock's one of the greatest, you're a moron, basically, something like that. And The Rock going, I appreciate it. You're also one of the greatest. We, we toured up together. We had fun. And that was it. That's enough. Is anyone, was Watch anyone Jungle Cruise. That? Was anyone saying Watch that The Jungle Rock's Cruise not one of the greatest? In theaters. I don't know. There are probably a lot of people who are. Because as, as a wrestler, he wasn't, you know, he's not rock, as technically though, proficient as a lot of people. <laughs> like, but but again, 
It's not the wrestling skill. It's yeah. the storytelling ability. And nobody told a story like The Rock did. And a sitcom. You know, I, he's got it all. He's got it all. Well, speaking of stories, on Raw, one of the emerging stories is Kofi Kingston back in the main event title picture. Somehow still mixed in there with Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. I'm not quite sure where it's going, but I kind of like that I don't know that I have no idea where it's going. I like Drew being like, well, I guess this is when I come out. <laughs> I like that I've seen the sword a lot too. So, I mean, I don't ever want Drew out of the picture because I feel like as yeah. soon as they take Drew out the title picture, he's going to have to surrender the sword. That upsets surrender me. Surrender the sword. Right? He's going to have to give it back to the props department and then it's going to be mm-hmm. on an episode of WWE's Most Wanted in oh. 2037. Uh, that sounds like a Harlequin <laughs> romance novel, Surrender, Surrender the, sword. the Sword. We find it in a we found it in a Glasgow TGI Fridays. <laughs> it was up on the wall. I want to read the back cover blurb for Surrender the Sword where he leaves it in the TGI Fridays in Glasgow. Like I have got time for that. I'm on a deadline, but I might knock that out this weekend. Let's see. I bet I I love seeing Kofi do Kofi things, so I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. I always want to see Kofi Kofi. Um, so, yay. I, 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 I do wonder, I am in a bit of a like, what, what you doing uh, with Roar at the minute? But not in a negative mm-hmm. way, which I usually am. You know, well, let's say no more negative than normal. Um, I'm not like disturbed. They don't know what they're doing. I'm like, oh, we're just, we're in the playtime period of let's figure some stuff out before SummerSlam. So let's enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying a lot of different things on. But at the same time, the fatal four-way with Biggie and Apollo and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the IC title was you could you could have main, main evented a pay-per-view with that. So good, and even at the ending, having Alistair Black finally come out of the out of uh, Gareth Marenghi's house to attack Biggie <laughs> and start a, a title program with him is really like it's a great way to, to extricate Biggie from the IC title picture because he doesn't really need to be in there. He's I think he's done what he needed to do in in that title scene. And it lets Apollo move on to have a uh, have a different feud. It was like that was a great establishing feud. Now you have to build off of that. And it also is a great way to bring Alistair Black uh, to have him return and be in a meaningful program. Didn't even bring any mm-hmm. of his cats. He managed to bring the meaning all on his own. So impressive. Yeah. So impressive. And they, good they for all looked so good in that match. He's really good. Everyone in that match is really good. It's like news just in. Um, but for all of us, <laughs> like news just in, wrestlers are good, even when not shown on television. So, yeah, it was... I just feel like you couldn't put those four people in a match together and throw Alistair in as well and have it not be great. It reminded me a lot of the uh, Ricochet Ali stuff that's been happening on main event where it's like, oh... What shockingly news that these two great wrestlers are having great matches? What? Uh, <laughs> it makes me so happy when you when we see it because sometimes we're not allowed to see it because sometimes these people are kept apart. Um, so it's nice. It's nice when love finds itself. And sometimes if you work hard and spend a long time in WWE, you finally win a title like Tamina did, winning the tag titles with Natalia. But it seems like they're they're still not done with Nia Jax. And Shayna Baszler, that is continuing. What do you want as fans out of a out of a title run from Tamina and Natalia? I'm okay with them being transitional champions. I just want them to stop fighting Naya and Shayna <laughs> forever. I want it to be like a contract stipulation that they're never allowed to fight them again. I also need Naya and Shayna to break up like post haste, mm-hmm. and I know it looks like that's on its way. 
but dear God, end that. End it now, please. <laughs> and no more Reginald. I, I, I no don't. No more. Ugh. Have him start fighting dudes or get him out of the. I know. Like, I'm sorry. I'm done with him <laughs> making our women and our women's champions look bad. Like Reginald Shayna. It's a bad look. It fills me with dread. The idea of Reginald Shayna fills me with absolute dread. Shayna should not, not be dealing with this. She should be out there breaking women's arms off and taking people apart into tiny, tiny pieces. She should not, should not be wrestling Reginald. Oh, God. Yeah. Cirque well. to go away, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Vegas is open, Reginald. Get yourself back. Get Head yourself back. back. I'm sure love needs somebody in there. You can go in there and be in the Sergeant Pepper can't sequence all be Mason or whatever. Ryan. Can't, can't be the only wrestler in Cirque du Soleil. Go on, Reginald. Get your back, son. <laughs> you know, we, t- we talked about something that you didn't like, Lindsay. Let's talk about something you did like, which was Cesaro getting a shot at the title match. He wrestled. Roman Reigns at ba- at WrestleMania Backlash, pardon me. Oh, boy. <laughs> but came up short. Yeah. How are you feeling? It doesn't feel like he's done yet. I loved the match. I thought it was super fun. I thought he was great. I loved his mouth guard more than life itself. He had little fangs. He had little fangsies. He's um, a little vampire. vampire. I know. Thus yeah. um, Pierre. <laughs> I just love him. Um... I was sad that it was just like a clean win. Um, that mm. I'm like, oh, he just lost. That's disappointing because it felt like, oh, well, you know, you had your chance and now it's done. But it does seem like, you know, he's in this great program now. Seth, I can't get over those outfits, man. I know some people are like, I love it. And I love that people love it. I, I want people to love it. Um, and I'm actually sat here, I've been doing some reorganization at home and Jeff found a bunch of stuff that I had ac- accidentally, she says in inverted commas, dropped behind a bookcase. You know when you're like, you don't have a place for a thing, you don't really want to see the thing, but you can't get rid of it because someone bought it for you. So then it, it accidentally falls behind a bookcase or under a bed. Um, <laughs> sure. We found this gift that Jeff bought for me when we first started dating, which is a WWE battle what? pack of Dean oh. Ambrose and oh. Seth Rollins. <laughs> That is a 2014, everybody. You can't see it, but you have yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have a post-Shield breakup, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, who is carrying, he has his two-tone hair, and yeah. he's carrying the Money in the Bank briefcase. Dean Ambrose has still got that comb-over comb over haircut. Yes. Oh, that's flowers for our generation. Yeah, and mm. but he didn't know, because he was like, you love wrestles, and I was in a store, and I saw this, and I bought it for you, and I was like, oh, I hate, I hate him. Um, but you're nice yeah like i appreciate the gesture um we're married now so it's okay um but yeah i look back at that at that seth rollins and i'm just like i'll take it please i don't need the suits and the sillies i don't love suits silly seth rollins i like brutal manipulative sneaky uh sly seth rollins but i know they you know you can't have him being manipulative sneaky and sly when roman's being manipulative sneaky and sly but yeah. silly outfit seth rollins is, is not for me this is parenthood man it does does stuff to you it does stuff to you i feel like it's a sensory uh suit created for the child because the baby is still so young it can only discern bold patterns and bright colors so maybe that's where this came from it's like a baby einstein suit 
just give me all the Cesaro and I'll be quiet. As long as I'm getting my Cesaro, I will shut my mouth and say thank you very much. And, and that's it. It seems to me, maybe he'll never hold the title, but he has a better chance at doing it now than he ever has because the two of them have done a really good job of making him into a main event guy, which he has never been in WWE. People love him. People love him so much. It would be such an easy win, even if it was just for a minute. Think of the t-shirts you would sell for the two weeks that you allowed him to be champion. Like, come Mm -hmm. on. Just give give me that two weeks and give me that shirt. That's all I want. I'll buy it. I won't even wait till it's 40% off. I'll I'll just buy it. Please, Vince. Full price. Full price. Full price, Lindsay. Full price. Well, maybe 25% off. But like, like I wouldn't wait for a bog off. I would definitely purchase it closer to its full price. Most of the price. If you've got any thoughts on all the wrestling events of the week, find us on the social channels in our show notes. That's where you can find that. When we come back, it's time to talk about one of the most shameful feuds in WWE history. Ting! <laughs> That's next on Tights and Fights. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is a podcast. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take themselves well there is and it's Ono Ross and Carrie on Maximum Fun this year we actually became certified exorcists so yes Carrie and I can help your daughter <laughs> or we can just talk about it on the show Ono oh, Ross and Carrie on MaximumFun.org Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. This week, we're going to give one corner of the wrestling world some extra attention. This is our main event. It should always only get longer. It should always only get longer. <laughs> Until it's right? the entire episode. Until it's literally like, welcome to Tights and Fights, and then that sting, and then we do the three count, and that's all I want it to be, Julian. I think I think that's the way forward. <laughs> oh, uh, Julian, next week, can we add a, we're live, pal, to the end? <laughs> yeah, sure we can. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Julian. Booker T recently got an A&E documentary on his career. And surprisingly, one thing that did not get discussed was his first shot at the WWE World Championship against Triple H at WrestleMania 19. Now, this was in 2003, near the start of the Ruthless Aggression era. Danielle, I don't know. uh, I don't think you've ever mentioned this before. No, uh uh-uh. Weren't you in attendance at this WrestleMania, which is live from Safeco Field in Seattle? Wait, was I? It's so Hmm. crazy. I can't imagine I've ever, I feel like I would have at least mentioned it once, but I don't think I've ever said anything about it. I was at this one. That's wild. I can't believe you've never told us this. I don't know. There's a a, a fan who also claimed to be in, in attendance and on Twitter said that when Booker lost, you could hear a mouse fart in Safeco Field. Mm. Is that your memory? Do you you have memories about this specific match and the reaction after it? 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it just, uh, it happened after that pedigree and it like, just that moment was like, Triple H just kind of threw his arm over. And from what I remember, and let's keep in mind, it was at a, a live event. So I was, uh, partaking if I remember correctly. Um, at least in, in the area that I was in, everyone was pretty shocked because it just seemed, and we'll get into this, like Booker T was going to win or at least not lose that way. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I remember watching, I remember the entire program. As soon as Julian pitched this, I was like, oh God, I have to go back, like mentally have to go back to it. And I, and sometimes, sometimes when we have these, I'll, I'll skim through stuff. Sometimes I can just do it from memory. This one, I felt like, all right, I'm going to read everything that Julian sent his research. I read, I watched it just to be primed for it. So let's, let's set the stage. At this point, Booker T had been in WWE for a while. He was one of the first WCW guys to join, showing up at the main event of Invasion and and running in during the match, and also became one of the biggest names to not, you know, he didn't have a contract to wait out. He was the basically the biggest star in WCW to make the jump in, into the WWE roster. He'd been a tag champion with Goldust, which was a red-hot program that ended too soon. And became the number one contender for the championship after after Triple H had defeated Scott Steiner twice. They had a battle royal to determine the number one contender. And Booker T won by eliminating The Rock, which, of course, big deal at that time. And then everybody heard this music. Can you dig it, dig it sucker? Sucker! Do you guys remember the fire? Like, just, oh, so good. <laughs> God, I love this entrance so much. Just God, like, especially, God, the flame pyro. I remember nobody else, like, had fire that was, like, it was normally, like, a cane thing. But, God, when Booker did it, it was yeah. so cool. Freaking awesome. Can't stress enough bursts. to you how upset I was when the Bad Bunny song, Booker T, was not just that. Like, genuinely the first time I heard it I was like oh missed opportunity box like what were you thinking I love that guy you guys it's fine but yeah. what a chance missed there are a ton of different ways to build an angle and build interest and and create conflict and pull us in and with with a character like Triple H who was Getting into his, I'm the new Ric Flair, right down to having Ric Flair manage him. This is a few months, I think, before the beginning of Evolution. I think Evolution was was later on in the spring that that, that kind of started. But you also have one of the hottest wrestlers in the business, Booker T, going against him. And the way they chose to create conflict was through racism. I just... Nothing like a little light racism to spice up a storyline in early aughts wrestling. Is a, I mean, any wrestling, any wrestling, but woof. woof. Just sprinkle it on like Salt Bay, just a little bit of racism. Oh, they did that with Harley Race and Ron Simmons in WCW. And the, the end of that was Ron Simmons becoming 
the first black man to win the the world championship. Maybe the first black world champion uh, anywhere. I at least in WWE, that's that they always make a well, WCW, WCW, right? at least in WCW, big time yes. mainstream televised. That was that had to at least be very rare. That was a very yeah, that was a huge deal. But in this case, <laughs> I feel like we're building the match. Like let's start from the finish and work our way backwards because that ending is it was such a it was so unsatisfying and is the reason why a lot of people dislike Triple H. It's just this whole period where instead of building stars, he just put himself over and like it felt like he was chasing his own legacy. And I don't know whose influence is where or what or who is responsible for the creative. So it's I, we can't it's it's impossible to to pin this to any one person or even a group of people. But it's bad. <laughs> right, that covers it. It was bad. And the f- the fucking commentary. It's so bad. Jerry the King Lawler is so bad. Okay, that's all right. Go ahead, Booker T fan. What is it about his background that you like? I respect Booker T. I respect Triple H. Booker T should have known he'd have never met nothing when he was born on a pool table. It's basically like throwing out all of his, I mean, it's normally in a non-racist angle, his jokes hit like two percent of the time two to five percent that's very that's a very generous uh, percentage you've given in there i'm feeling generous today that's good. That's good. and in this one it's negative <laughs> it actually <laughs> retracts some of the good jokes he has made in the past it actually reabsorbed them uh, and yeah. negated their effect yeah yeah it's just so bad it's just gross gross in a like it's a good reminder for everybody that you would have watched this and gone like, well, that's wrong because racism's bad, but not even pay attention to, like, I forgot the commentary. Mm-hmm. Forgot it entirely. Well done. Congratulations. I want that for you. Would that we all had that power well, to just like, forget all commentary. Julian made me watch it, so now I remember It's it all Julian's fault. Yeah. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because I wasn't watching wrestling at this time. This is my out period. And the more I learn about this period and the more I go back and investigate specific storylines, the more pleased I am that I did not have to um, suffer through this stuff. Because, um, you know, there's part of me and I've read stuff that Booker T has said recently and stuff that he said about this. And, and there's part of me that wants to believe Booker T when he is like, there was no racism. Why have people gone back and put racism on it? And I'm like, maybe we're just looking at it through a new lens and the context is key and things are different. But then I realize I sound like my great aunt who lives in another part of the country and has different opinions to me. Um, because you can want to believe those things and it does not make them true. Uh, and Booker T can say them, even though he is the injured party here, and it can still not make them true. It can still be untrue. Mm. It's how can you watch it and not take away the feeling that everyone has when they watch it? That's the weird. That's the weirdest thing to me is watching it and seeing anyone defend it and say, "No, you're all just looking at it through a crazy 2021 woke lens, and you're seeing things that aren't there." I'm like, "Am I? Am I?" No, you're not. Um. Look, Booker T can feel how he feels about it, but it, you know, we call wrestling art. And if wrestling is going to be art, once you put it out into the stratosphere, it is no longer just yours to interpret. And it's no longer just yours to like, it, it gets taken into consideration 
but it's no longer yours to say like, oh, it's fine. This was fine. Everything was fine. It was, you can't have someone, we'll listen to all of the stuff, but you can't have someone say the shit that Triple H said and be like, that's not racism. You know, like you just. Because it's racism, right? Like, I mean, generally, because it is. People can feel about it, like about how they want to feel. But as someone, I will say this WrestleMania was one of the last times that I was an active participant in wrestling for years upon years upon years. And this was not an insignificant contributor to that. Like, not at all. Here's some of, of that initial promo after the Battle Royales one. This is the following week. This is on Raw. You see, the fact is, Booker, somebody like you doesn't get to be a world champion. That look up and down. You're not here to be a competitor. You're here to be an entertainer. That's what you do. You entertain people. Hell, you entertain me all the time. Go ahead, Book. Why don't you entertain? Go ahead. Do a little dance for me, Book. Dance? Go ahead. Give me one of those spinneroonies. Come on, Book, dance. Entertain me. That's your job. And Book, when you get there, you're going to do what people like you always do. You're going to lose. Yeah, he basically told him to shuck and jive. Sorry. Yeah. And then also brought up his nappy hair and his his actual real life criminal history came from uh, from a disadvantaged community in Houston and made bad choices, but then pulled his life together, which I mean, that's like the great (laughs) and the guy is I had the honor of moderating a QA and a for him and he. Not only like just not only was he really open and willing to talk about anything, but like and you could see why he was so good at wrestling because he's so he has such a great mind for it. And it's just like a smart guy in general, but also just kind and gracious and anybody in the world who who has a rough go and gets a second chance and is able to create a better life a better life for themselves he's like there's a there's a not a humility but like a great a gratitude there and he seems like he lives his life in gratitude which is which is great but this bullshit is and if if that's the way he if if he feels that way then good for him but it doesn't mean it certainly doesn't mean that it it can't also affect a bunch of people and not only be just racist prima facie but also also deals with a lot of even if they even if they could say oh we were just talking about he has criminal background it's nothing to do with the color of his skin bullshit it it absolutely does because it's the United States of America I don't remember criminals instinctively being known as good dancers so I right. I don't know uh, well, I don't remember that being a stereotype that I grew up with um, but I grew up in England so maybe it was different I I don't know I don't know and hey guess what Triple H I have nappy hair you piece of shit. At least, like, at this point, like, I'm talking to the character, obviously, it's whatever. WWE, you pieces of shit. Like, I have nappy hair. I, you know, watching a black entertainer, and especially someone who is unambiguously fucking black, 
It's not like we've had, you know, champions and other people who are mixed race. Booker T is black. Like he is a black man. And fucking fuck you. Like suck my dick WWE for that to be like, you know, oh, with your nappy hair. I love my I love my nappy hair. It's fucking beautiful <laughs> underneath these goddamn wigs. This is why Booker doesn't get to just blanket say it wasn't racist, right? Because it's like it's not only his reaction to it. That's that's the issue. It's like he can feel his way, but you gotta know what you're putting out in the world. You gotta know what you're putting out there, and you can say what your intention was behind it at the time. But when you get a reaction like that from your fans, from the people who have paid money to go and enjoy this, and that's how you're making them feel, like you've got to take responsibility for that. Surely, she says, everything to me is a question with wrestling. Because I'm like, is am I wrong? Am I not wrong? Am I not right? Because someone on Twitter will be like, no, you're a fool. It was not racist. It was wonderful. And then I'll have to burn my phone. But what that's going to be the fourth time I've heard that promo this week because we've been like you said, we've been watching it and talking about it. And it never gets less painful. It never gets more, like, digestible. Every time you hear it, it's like, oh my god, they said that on television? Are you serious? Hunter Hearst Helmsley said those words? Uh... They were button pressing. This is like four months after Katie Vick. Katie Vick was the fall of 2002. I had to look it up and see, like, was this... Was this a stepping stone to Katie Vick or was Katie Vick a stepping stone to this? And it, Katie Vick was a stepping stone to this. So it's a lot easy. Like sometimes it's okay to take the L to say, hey, I we were wrong. We thought we could press these buttons and we exploited something for the purposes of a wrestling angle that we shouldn't have exploited. And also... The message that you get from that angle is like, well, the racists will always win. This is it. If the big bad racist yep. had lost and gotten his ass kicked, we may, I mean, it still wouldn't be acceptable. The language used would not be okay, but at least we wouldn't be looking back on it now and going like, what? You know, maybe we'd be looking back on it going like, and that'll learn you. Um, and instead right. we're just like, wait, wait, what? And then he lost. Wait, what? Run that past me again. It's, it's the sum of its parts are uh, somehow even worse than everything that went into it. It's like, holy shit, I'm trying to find a way to enjoy this and it can't be done. It cannot be done. There is not one. Yeah, it's one of those things where it winds up being, you're, you're pushing buttons and it winds up being so bad that it, it winds up for me being go home heat. It's not... Like, oh, well, this is heat on Triple H because, you know, he's this dude and he's saying these things. No, it winds up being, I don't want to watch the product anymore. If that's what you're going to, I watch this shit for escapism, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think for all of us, we thought, well, if he wins, because he's got to win after that, right? Then at least it will have been worth it. Well, not worth it. But at least it would have been like it makes sense. Yeah, it would have been a, a, a satisfying, cathartic end to the storytelling. And instead, it, it was it was not. Instead, it was not. Yeah, um, it turns out you can't trust WWE with delicate fucking issues. Not known for their abilities on the, the political spectrum for telling nuanced stories with political meaning. And then the match was a good match. The finish kills the match. 
It's two talented performers, right? I mean, say what you want yeah. with Triple H. He's gone through ups and downs and maybe he wasn't at his peak or whatever you want to say, but like Triple H can put on a great match. Booker T can put on a great match. It should be a great match. With all the fire and the heat going into it, it should be a remarkable match. And then you got that finish. So, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we have people in our own community who talking about it were saying it, they both came out of it looking worse, and and people who, who similar to you, Danielle, got turned off from the product because of this. There is a time to provoke, and there are about there are things about which you can provoke, and and it's always going to skate too close to a line. This is not something that WWE needs to <laughs> like. It's not something for them to exploit, and you're only going to lose fans. Yeah. Even from like a bit, you're a publicly traded company at this point, and you are engaging in something that is only going to lose you fans. What? Why? Why would you do it? Well, I why mean, would you do because, it? Because your name is Vincent McMahon. I think that's why you yeah. do it. Controversy like, and button pushing, like you said, right? Yeah, you look at something like the Edge, uh, Matt Hardy, and Lita storyline, where it's like you took an incredibly personal, painful incident in three people's actual personal lives uh, and you made it a storyline and you know it's cheap and it's tawdry and it's unpleasant and it seemingly like hurt a lot of people it really damaged Matt Hardy's career and you know his mental health it looks like it was very dark to do it it pushed a lot of buttons but it was three individual people who presumably all agreed to be part of that storyline whether they you know Lita's discussed whether or not she felt like she had a choice to be part of it or how she was portrayed in it and there was slut shaming involved and the whole thing is very dark and messed up but it was a personal choice of the three people involved this storyline is like you literally took racism and said "Let's, let's have a go with this let's let's see what we can get out of this and it's like i don't think they should be the same discussion in the same kind of meeting you know you don't say can we take these three people's agonizing personal experiences and make a story out of it and have it be the same conversation as like yeah but what racism it's it's not the same thing it's it's not the same thing and it's probably not something you should exploit for ratings is what i'm saying um vince if you fear if you listen he's not listening so that's cool there are similarities between this program and the the kofi kingston storyline on his path to the wwe championship which was a better executed angle (laughs) and kofi won so there was a good payoff. It's very difficult to look at, at this at this WrestleMania 19 angle any any way other than negative, including the fact that that Booker lost. If Booker had won, just trying to imagine that scenario, do you think do you think people would talk about the angle as much? Um I think still yes. But I do think that it would have been a Band-Aid if he won. Mm. And at that point, he was so huge. I mean, again, it's it's trying to go back and, and see, you know, the genie's already out of the bottle. Yeah. But um, at that point, he was so huge that maybe it would have felt cathartic if he won. I, it's hard to say because I wasn't given that. Um, I think that looking back, even if he would have won with our woke 2021 glasses or whatever... I think definitely we all would have been like, ooh, that was still not a good idea. Probably didn't need to say a lot of those words. 
But, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll never know because they didn't pull it off the way that could have at least helped them instead of what completely hurt them. Yeah. Especially with me as a fan. It's like hard to talk about because it's like this, again, it's another example of like this thing that I love that like doesn't love me back. Yeah. You know? Right. And I just think if Booker wins, it changes his entire career tra- trajectory, right? It, it yeah. pushes him in a completely different direction and, and takes him to places he, he wasn't allows him into spaces that he wasn't allowed into as this storyline so rightly pointed out and it's yeah it's such a huge what if it's such a massive what if how would it have changed wrestling how would it have changed the careers of other black wrestlers how would it have changed where he went to does it affect his king of the ring run you know it it really just asks so many questions can't help but feel like it would have been a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just wild to think how much of an impact it could have had on wrestling at that time. If you look only at, at like what his career was after that point, if you didn't know that existed and you saw the things, like, yes, title holding, but then what he did after, which included, I think he held the IC title a few more times, US title again, then he became world champion, like, you would go, that was a really good career, which just goes to show how great he was mm-hmm. and still could have gotten, mm-hmm. like, there are higher heights that he never hit. But we want to hear from you. Not here in this podcast. We can't hear you. If you're yelling at your listening device, you're wasting your breath and hurting your vocal cords. Talk to us on our social media channels. You can find those in the show notes. When we come back, we've got three things from the world of wrestling that you should know about. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Hey everyone, it's I, John Hodgman of the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. And I, Elliot Kalin of the Flophouse Podcast. And we've made a whole new podcast, a 12-episode special miniseries called I, Podius, in which we recap, discuss, and explore the very famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome called I, Claudius. We've got incredible guests such as Gillian Jacobs, Paul F. Tompkins, as well as star of I, Claudius, Sir Patrick Stewart. And his son, non-Sir Daniel Stewart. Don't worry, Dan, you'll get there someday. iPodius is the name of the show. Every week for MaximumFun.org for only 12 weeks. Get them at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Tides and Bites Podcast. Tides and Bites. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford and Lindsay Kelk. This week, we want to end the show by sharing some of the joy of wrestling with you. This is the three count. We do have our usual things to put over, but we also want to make sure to give a special shout out to our Max Fund members who saw fit to send some money our way at the higher levels of contribution, like Baron Aaron to your doom. Shannon Pratt, Snap, Tap, or Nap Beaudry. Mike, the whole damn show row. John, your Despero Valero. Josh, rumblin' and tumblin'. So hot, take your shot, end dot. Dan Valero, put you on a stretcher fletcher. Get wrecked, Brett, a.k.a. the hit lady heart. Jeeves, fun before the stun bun. Now then, let's get to the three count. Danielle, what would you like to put over? I didn't realize that Dector Loomis could actually draw, y'all. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that this was a thing. 
It's a thing that I just found out. I'm sure that all of you knew already. Um, Dexter Loomis posted a picture of uh, Indy and him where he's got a knife stabbed in his heart with blood coming out of it. And it's, it looks amazing. And I thought that it was like him reposting a photo of some like uh, a different uh, a picture that like a fan had drawn. So I was looking for the credits so that I could find it. And then I was like, wait, did he actually draw this? And I Googled, does Dexter Loomis actually draw? And he does. And this is his art style. So I'm assuming that he drew this. Um, so give it up for Dexter Loomis. He posted it with a broken heart emoji. Um, <laughs> get well soon with your broken heart. But also, uh, I, I just love when wrestlers show us their different um, talents. They all have different things that they do and, and other passions. Um, and that made me really happy. It made me, uh, the, the, the drawing made me sad, but his skill made me smile. So uh, give it up for Dexter Loomis. And check him out on DeviantArt. Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to put over, I'm putting over sad news, but it's sad news with a happy ending. Um, mm. I, I would like to offer my condolences to Alexa Bliss and Buddy Murphy on the passing of their pig son, Larry Steve, mm. uh, this week, which I know a lot of people saw on social media. And Brian Cabrera, pig stepfather, I guess. Uh, that's a thing. That's, wrestling is weird, you guys. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've enjoyed Larry Steve's adventures, the stories of Larry Steve since his, his arrival at the Alexa Bliss, the formerly Alexa Bliss slash Buddy Murphy household. And it was sad to see Larry Steve passed away. But what was lovely, I felt, I don't know if anyone else had a spare couple of hours in their life the other day, <laughs> like I apparently did. Alexa Bliss ran an Instagram live to raise money for a pig sanctuary um, mm. for a wildlife refuge, an animal refuge, and made like over $15,000, managed to raise over $15,000 during um, the live, uh, which had a lot of special guests. I saw Sarah Michelle Geller post about it. That's how I found it. I don't even want to know how those two worlds overlapped. I just want to know that they did. She's a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I know Freddie Prince, but I'm like, I'm, I'm choosing to believe it's actually Buffy. I'm choosing to believe <laughs> yeah. Buffy, Buffy and Larry Summers, Steve yes. had their own relationship. Freddie didn't even know about it. That's mm -hmm. what I want to know. I'm like, I just don't want, don't want, her, I don't want Freddie to be involved with this. I just want Buffy to have had a one-on-one -on -one relationship with that pig. Uh, but it was... It was really lovely and just really great to see a ton of money getting raised for a good cause in the light of a, a sad event. Larry, Lays, Larry Steve raised a lot of money over his, his times. He did an annual charity walk. He he was a good pig. He was in the, in the style of Babe and Wilbur, a good pig. So I say to you, Larry Steve, that'll do, pig that'll do yes larry steve uh, may his memory be a blessing to alexa and her family i gotta go back to the sixers somebody <laughs> I, I you gotta go check out the person who is smart enough to edit joel Embiid into the dx titantron i'm putting over that tweet it is it will be available as a link for you to watch there's no special sound to it but it's just a moment of pure joy and we all need those in our life that does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Danielle Radford and Lindsay Kelk, along with me, Hal Loveland, who you can see June 12th in an all-new Thrilling Adventure Hour live show-and-tell virtual show. You can get tickets at houseseats.live. It's me and the rest of the Work Juice players with embarrassing clips from early in our career and some, uh, some from the very first time we ever took a stage. Is that a hint for what my clip is? Maybe. 
The only way to find out is to go to houseseats.live and get your tickets. Also, you can still get tickets to All Hail, the Welcome to Night Vale show that we uh, live broadcasted. They're available until June 15th. Check out welcometonightvale.com for more information about that. Danielle? Check me out. Uh, check out the Honest Trailers. I help write them. I think they're pretty funny. Um, and that's about it. You can find me on Danielle Radford at twitter.com. When I have stuff going on, I will let y'all know there. I would also like to put over the Honest Trailers, especially the Money Plane Honest Trailer, uh, which I enjoyed <laughs> uh, this week, Danielle Radford. Um, and yeah, if you have some more time to spare with your ears, you could listen to full coverage, which is my beauty podcast. And you might think beauty and wrestling doesn't mix, but it does, because this week I found out that Bretman Rock, who is a huge beauty influencer, is named after Bret the Hitman Hart and The Rock because his dad was a huge wrestling fan, and that's genuinely his name. His name is Bretman Rock, and it's like I didn't love him enough before. I love him so much now. So uh, check out full coverage. Check out Bretman Rock. He's not on full coverage, but he could be. But he could be. We should, or on tights and fights. He could be a crossover guest. How exciting. And failing all that, you know, books. I got books. So check them out. Our producer is a beautiful black, a beautiful brown child who loves both identities and shuns neither. Julian Burrell. Cody doubled down on it, so uh, I will too. Did there you, you, did you uh, put, that, put that through a focus group? <laughs> Julian, yeah. that's my question. Yeah, I just talked to my dog first, which is probably what he did. This fucking focus group. Cody, shut up. Stop he, it. Did, just he stop misused it. the term. He Jesus, misused the term focus stop. group. And in the very extended and extensive explanation of his focus group testing uh, everything at AEW, apparently he somehow misused the term and that entire conversation in which he gave about how they use focus groups. We talked a lot about the importance of acknowledging the sins of your past and just saying, you know what, I was wrong, let me move on and I'm gonna do better in the future. This is what you gotta do, Cody. It's not too late. Yeah. Just, just a pop and move on. Take the fucking L. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to all of those are in our show notes. If you love what we do, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to the Max Fun members who make this show possible, especially uh, those of you who were active during Max Fun Drive. Whether you were able to join or whether you were just sharing the show with others, we really appreciate everything the community around this show brings to us on a consistent basis. And if you want to join at any time, you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Can dig it, suckers. Such a great song. I want to know who did the who was doing that laugh. Bad Bunny, that's what I know. Was it me? Yes, it was Hal. It was me. And I still don't get paid for it. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.